if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 13, starting with verse 47. Leviticus chapter 13, starting with verse 47. Also, if a garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it is a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it is in the warp or wolf of linen or wool, whether in leather or anything made of leather, and if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the leather, whether in the warp or the wolf or anything made of leather, it is a leprous plague and shall be shown to the priest. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, your word is life. Father, we just ask you to speak to our hearts today. Lord, look inside us, God, and see us and know us. Father, we pray, God, that anything that's in us that's not like you, God, that you'll take it out. Father, we ask you to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning on this topic. Take it to Jesus. Would you say that with me? Take it to Jesus. Scripture I read, now there's something that you need to know up front, that leprosy in Scripture was a picture of sin. It, and I'll, I'll show that to you in a moment uh, in something that takes place in Moses' life. But leprosy is a picture of sin. And in this passage, there are specific laws that regarded leprosy, things that you had to do. So leprosy is very contagious. That's why that you weren't allowed to sit in the same place that a leper had sat, that, that, that you had to keep yourself away from that because you can't hang out around it and it not affect you. Now, I hope you're making the connection with sin. You, you can't hang out around it and it not affect you. At some point in time, it's going to work its way in. Now, the Scripture said that in the garment, now think about this, that it could get into the garment and it said if it were in the warp or the wolf, and that was literally the, the weaving of the garment. Think about a, one of those, uh, a loop, what's it called? A loom, you know, where, they, where they, they pull it this way and it goes this way. It's in the warp and the wolf and it's getting intertwined. And, and, it, and so what they said, it didn't matter where it was at. If it was there, it had to be dealt with. Let me bring out an example. So think about this. You say, well, big deal. You know, if there's a garment, you know, well, but, you know, and if, if I got a problem with it, I'll just run down to Walmart and pick up a new one. Not then you wouldn't. Clothes were very valuable. That's why when Jesus talked about that, if you take a man's garment as a pledge, you had to give it back to him before the end of the night or he wouldn't have anything to cover himself with. So what would happen is people that were walking around, and maybe you didn't notice it, but somebody else noticed it, and there was a reddish or greenish spot in that garment. They were, they were let me try that again. They were required to take it to the priest. They would take that to the priest, and they would willingly take it because they're, they, man, I don't want that getting in me. It's one thing for it to be on me. It's another thing for it to get in me. Anybody ever dealt with poison ivy? I was laying in a batch of it when I was a teenager. Didn't know what it was. I was laying underneath a tree at my aunt and uncle's house, and I was picking up leaves and just ripping them in pieces. My aunt looked at me, and she said, does Rick know he's playing with poison ivy? And I said, no, he does not know that. I didn't catch it, so I got to thinking. I thought, well, I must be immune to it. And I never had an, a, a problem with it until one day that we were getting ready to build a ministry building and I took a, there was a big old dead oak tree out there and that dead oak tree had poison oak branches on it. I just assumed they were dead too. I took a chainsaw and cut it up. And after I cut it up, I set it on fire. And when I set it on fire, God is my witness, while it was burning, I felt something go in me. And I immediately started praying. I said, God, please don't let this get on the inside of me. 
Well, it didn't get on the inside of me, but it sure enough got on the outside of me. And I was trying to get it off of me. Everybody say, I'm glad to get it off. So they would take it to the priest. The priest would then examine it, and he would wash it. After he washed it, he would look at the spot in that garment, and if it continued to remain the same, he would burn it. He would say, it, it, it's, there's no hope for this. It's, it's gone. And man, think about this. You, you, you don't think about it. Make it equivalent to your car. Only car you got, and you blow the engine on it, and the, the mechanic looks at it and says, there's, there's no hope for this thing. It's gone. You, you are suffering a great loss. They'd suffer a great loss losing a garment. Now, if it had faded, then what they would do is they would say, hey, I think we can save this thing. And that was their hope. And so they would take it to the priest, and the priest would then take that and say, just hold that for me because I think we can save your garment. Well, how many of you, oh, there's more. Hang on a second. Hold, hold that up there. Let's, let's just get rid of this right now, and then you won't have to worry about it, okay? There. Now they, he would take it, and he would set it aside for another seven days, and if it didn't spread on it, he was allowed to take it back. I've just remodeled it for you a little bit. Now, how many of you would be excited today if I called you up here and I was using you for an example? Rick, come up just a second. And I noticed, oh, there's a blemish in your coat. Hang on. <laughs> it's like, oh, ho, 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 ho. Don't. But see, for them, they understood, look, if I don't get this off of me, there's a chance it could get in me. And if it gets in me, then I'm really in trouble. Let me show you what kind of trouble they were in. You see that? Do you know that in the United States, in the early part of the United States, there were two leper colonies? And thank God that we're not contending with it now, but the leprosy would literally kill the nerve endings. And a lot of times what happened, especially in India, places in other countries, once the nerve endings died, those people were sleeping in the streets and rats would come out and eat off their fingers and they wouldn't even feel it happening. But if it wasn't dealt with, then it didn't just affect the hands or the feet. It could move to the face. And it was like walking death. Can you fathom? She didn't look that way her whole life. That's not about who she is. That's about what got in her. Are you with me? God made us in his image, in his likeness, but there's something that got in us that messes with us. I told you that leprosy was a picture of sin. In the Old Testament, Miriam and Aaron start mouthing about Moses' wife. They started speaking against her. She's not Jewish. She's from another country. You know what? Who's he think he is? And God hears it. How many of you know God hears everything? See, sometimes we think that God only hears what other people hear. God hears everything. And he even hears what's in your heart. And so God called them apart, and he brought Moses, Miriam, and Aaron outside the camp. And he said, I want to have a talk with you. And he looks at Miriam and, he, and, and Aaron, and he said, you know, he said, if, if there's a prophet that comes up, I, I speak to him through a prophecy, or I may give him a dream. But that's not how I spoke to Moses. See, Moses, I trust. He's the only person I trust. That's what God says about it. And he said, I spoke to Moses face to face, like a man speaks to his friend. How is it that you weren't afraid to criticize him? And all of a sudden, it says that the anger of the Lord just burned, and that cloud that was hovering over them lifted. And when it lifted, Miriam was a leper. Sin or leprosy was a picture of sin. Aaron immediately cried out to Moses, and Moses saw Miriam and cried out to God. And God looked at them and he said, look, if her father had spit in her face, wouldn't she have borne the shame of it for seven days? He said, you put Miriam outside the camp. 
and you let her sit there for seven days, then I'll heal her. But she's going to bear this for seven days. The law concerning the leper in Scripture is found in 13 and verse 45, I believe it is. And this is what it says. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent, his head bare, and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and cry, unclean, unclean. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Miriam is put outside the camp for seven days. But the leper, because God healed her, but the leper is put outside the tent all his days. What hope does a leper have? Actually, if you read this passage one more time, there is a ray of hope hidden in this darkness. Look at it. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him. It didn't say all his days, forever and ever. It said, no, just so long as the plague is in him. I'm telling you, the scripture said that the wages of sin is death. But we have a hope because it doesn't have to end that way. It said, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So it doesn't have to take me out. Unless it's dealt with, it will take me out. Unless the leprosy is taken care of, I'm going to die with it, and it's going to separate me from everybody. Can you fathom the life of a leper? Removed from everyone, no hope, no, no plan. And you, you say, well, I, I don't know if I could deal with that. Well, think about this. What hope do we have? Life is a sinner. And the Bible said, for all have sinned. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Now look at him again and say, he's actually talking about me. For all have sinned. You know what it's like to be unclean? Yeah, you do. I was, you've heard me tell the story about working in Mexico. Worked all day long, sweated my clothes through, stopped for lunch. My clothes dried out, went back to work again. By 2 o'clock in the afternoon, something was stinking. It, to the point that it was really starting to annoy me. And I thought, man, what is that? A sour, stinking mess. It was me. I thought, goodness. Have you, how many of you ever got to a place where you stunk so much you couldn't stand yourself? You know, it's easy. And you can, you can stand your stink a whole lot better than you can stand somebody else's. How many of you know that? I mean, you know, I might be stinking, you know, but I can deal with that. But if you're stinking, whoo! But when you, get, when you recognize that you're stinking so bad you can't stand it, you know it's got to be dealt with because the stink ain't going to go away. Unclean, unclean. In the same boat that the leper's in. Leper can't heal himself. I can't clean myself. There's a story of a man in Matthew, the eighth chapter. He's a leper. Now, while Matthew doesn't tell his story, I know part of his story because I know the law. And I know what the law required for the leper. So if you would, let me use my imagination for a moment. I want to take you on a trip to this man's house before he's a leper. He wakes up one morning and he feels, what is that? Kind of a sore spot and he looks in the mirror and his chest has got a red raw spot on it. He thinks, man, what, did something bite me? You ever wake up in the morning and feel a lump? Ever wake up and feel something pulling? 
thinking, man, what's going on inside of me? See, leprosy starts long before you ever see it. Leprosy is contagious, but it's not a quick contagion. It moves slowly, the same way sin does. Leprosy can be working in you long before it starts showing up on the outside of you. And the man sees it and he thinks, well, maybe it'll just go away. Have you ever heard those words? And you pray that it goes away. God, please don't let this be what I think it is. And sometimes we even rebuke the thoughts because we, no, 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 that's. But day after day, it keeps getting progressively worse and you're hiding it at first. And then you think, I, then it comes to the point where all of a sudden you see what the scripture described. There's a white hair in the center of the red sore. And you know it's leprosy. And at that point, things get real serious because if I continue to hide it, not only am I running a risk with my own life, but now I'm risking the lives of my children and I'm risking the lives of my wife. See, people feel like, well, you know, what I do doesn't affect anybody but me. If that's true, then you explain to me how a woman that's addicted to heroin has a baby and the baby's born addicted to heroin. Baby never did anything, never, never hurt anybody, but because of what the mother did, it infected the baby. You see, sin can't be dealt with on its own. Leper can't heal himself. A sinner can't save himself. He needed help. He finally goes to his wife, and he takes it to his wife, and he shows her. And she looks, and man, her eyes get big. No, baby, that, that looks like, I know, I know, but I don't know what to do. She said, well, you, uh, you, you're going to have to take it to the priest. You're going you, you're gonna to have to take it to the priest. You, you, uh, you, this could destroy our whole family. He goes, I, I know, and I, I'm going to go to the priest, but I'm thinking about my kids. My. And so he goes to his babies, and he tells his babies, he said, Daddy, Daddy has to go. I, please know this, that I love you, and, 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 I, I, and I plan to be back soon, but, but I don't want you to be hurt, so I, I've got to go get something taken care of. I, and so he leaves, and not, not knowing if he'll ever see them again. He goes in and he shows himself to the priest. And when he shows himself to the priest, the priest looks at him and says, man, you, you, I'm going to have to isolate you for seven days. I know. I understand. Seven days, he, he stays isolated. He looks at him, and, and, and then he, he goes, no, there doesn't seem to be a change. Let's go another seven days, and seven days more, and it's still there. And after that last seven days, the priest looks at him and said, Sir, I'm sorry, but I have to pronounce you unclean. And at that moment, that man is made to take a cloth, put it over his lip, and now he is separated not only from his family, not only from his friends, but in all of society. He's lost his home. He's lost his place. He is thrown outside of the city. He's outside of the camp. And everywhere he goes, he holds a cloth over his lip and he cries, unclean, unclean. I'm unclean. Days turn to weeks. Weeks to months. And months to years. And the leprosy is unrelenting. It didn't stop where it started. Now it's spread. And it's easy to see he's a leper. He doesn't know a human touch. Anytime someone starts to pass his way and they see him they move away get back leper requirement of six feet can't come near a leper I wonder if he thought about his family 
I wonder if he thought about how in the world did I let this happen? How could I have let something that was seemed so insignificant become such a detrimental impact on my life? In my mind's eye, I can see him grab hold of the wall that went over the city, pull himself up to try and catch a glimpse of his boy in the playground. Daddy loves you, but Daddy can't touch you. Catches a glimpse of his wife through the gate in the market and longs to hold her, but knows he never will. Because he allowed something to take control of his life. Hear me. We are all the leper. Scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Question is, what am I going to do with it? Where do I take it? I took it to my wife and she couldn't help me. I took it to the children. They couldn't. I even took it to the priest, and the priest couldn't help me. All he did was pronounce that I was unclean. I knew that. I didn't know need someone to tell me what's wrong with me. I need somebody to fix it, I, I, but I, I don't know how to fix it. Have you ever been there where there's something going on in your life and you can't fix it? And he feels like he's destined for death and separation. Every day he looks at his hands, they grow worse. And every day he closes, every night when he closes his eye, his dreams become nightmares because he, that's the only place he sees his family. But one day, something happened. The Bible said that a great multitude started to come down from the mountain. They're not inside the city. They're outside where he's at. They're coming down the mountain. And he hears the crowd start to say, Jesus, Jesus, thou son of death. And he, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus? I've heard about him. I've heard talk about him. I've heard that he's opened up the eyes of the blind. I've heard that he's made the lame to walk. Is it possible if I take it to him that he might be able to free me? He might be able to save me? But there's a crowd of people. How will I ever get to him? And then a smile comes across his face as he reaches for the napkin. Unclean! Unclean! I'm unclean! And he begins to go toward the multitude. And when he did, they ran like rabbits, man. I'm telling you, hundreds of people start going to the left, the right, the north, the south. They're all running from him. There's only one man that day that didn't run from him. And his name is Jesus. And something happened that day. Let me borrow you real quick. Something happened that day because when he gets to where Jesus is at and he stops, he knows he can't touch him. He knows he, he's not allowed it. And he sees him. And for the first time in years, he's got hope again. For the first time in years, he feels like there's a chance that I might be able to be free. And he looked at him and listened to his words. He said, Lord, if thou will, you, you can make me clean. Did you pick up on that? He said, I know. I know you can do it. He feels it. He senses it. He knows that he can do it. How many of you in here today know that he can do it? But then... The same question haunted his mind that haunts ours. I know you can. 
but I'm not sure you will. What's he saying? I'm not worthy. What right have I even got to ask you? I've screwed up so many times. I've messed up. I've blown it up. Why would you even look my way? In my mind's eye, I see him looking and then drop his head. But then Jesus did something that the man wasn't expecting. Jesus walked over to the man. And before he spoke, he touched him. <laughs> and he said, I will. I want you to get this. He's not supposed to touch. Why does he touch him? Why doesn't he just speak? He could speak the word and he could be whole, right? Why does he touch him? Because he knows that he needs a healing and for more than just his body. He needs a healing for his heart, for his emotions. He's been untouchable for years. Nobody would touch him. Nobody would have anything to do with it. And what Jesus does is when he touches him, that man for the first time in a long time feels loved. He feels worth. He feels like he counts and he belongs. And I can't help but think that there's an embrace there for a moment. As he feels the love of God Hallelujah. surround him. And as he begins to let go and move back, he, he sees his hands. They're not leprous any longer. All his fingers are are restored. Every, everything's in place. And he looks at him and Jesus said, now don't tell anybody. <laughs> Do what? <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? And he walks away from that place. And I see him walk up right to the gate of the city and he pauses for just a moment. Because that gate had been a barrier to him for years. It was like a prison door closed and he looks at his hands and he looks back <laughs> thank you thank you and he walks where he couldn't walk before and when he gets in to the city all of a sudden he he's looking around and on the the street in the city he sees a, a, a boy there come here sign this boy is grown so is his hair. <laughs> and he, he looks at him. Jeffrey, is that you? Dad? Dad? Jeffrey. Oh, Jeff, I'm so, I'm so happy. I'm so, and, he, and his son grabs hold of him and his son picks him up and twirls him around. No, I'm kidding. Son, and his son's looking at him and he goes, Dad, is, is that really you? Yeah. Dad, you, you, what happened? What happened? I, I can't tell you. <laughs> I, met, I met a man, more than a man. His name was Jesus. And he healed me. Dad, you're not, you're not going to leave me again. No, son. I'll never let what separated us separate us again now that I've been restored. And then he asks his son an important question. Where's your mother? And he says, well, she's at home. And so he heads to the house finds his wife in making homemade biscuits. That's a hint. <laughs> she's making homemade biscuits, and she's making those biscuits up. He walks in quietly. I'm whole. I'm whole. She begins to try and figure. She doesn't even ask what happens. What she happened? just jumps up. She, <laughs> she just, 
<laughs> oh, and they, they, they rejoice and then they go to the hospital because they fell and broke pieces of their body. <laughs> he's, he's, he's excited. He grabs her up and he's excited. She's going, what, what happened? What happened to you? And he's saying, I, 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 I met a man. And, a man? What? Jesus, I've heard about him. Oh, I've done more than hear about him. I've worshiped him. I've loved him. And more important, he loved me. How about it, folks? You ever been there? You say, well, pastor, what's all that got to do with us? What do we need to take to Jesus? Not just our sins, but what about our heartbreaks? What about taking Jesus, those things that tear us up? What about our sickness? What, what about taking him our finances? Any of you ever been tapped out? What about taking him our family issues, our depression, our rejection? Take that to Jesus. Well, do you still believe that he does that today? <laughs> if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't be standing up here right now. I'd be out and about. But I'm here because he said, I will. You know, Kat, stand up just a second, would you? Cat wrestled with sick, and not really sickness, just pain. How many of you have ever had pain? You know what I'm talking about? It, it, it's not a runny nose, or it's not congestion, it's pain. Excruciating pain. Debilitating pain. Where did the pain come from? Well, she had a problem with her foot, and she went to someone that was supposed to help her. The person that was supposed to help her hurt her and put her in excruciating pain for five years. We get upset if God doesn't answer in five minutes. This went on for five years. She'd taken it to the doctor, and the doctor told her, there's nothing that we can do other than we've got this implant we want to put in you. But if this doesn't work... You're going to have to learn how to live with it. They sent her to pain management classes to deal with it mentally because it was what they call suicidal pain. When they put the mechanism in, it worked. Everybody say, thank God. She, it took her pain from, they said on 11, from 1 to 10, her pain was at a 15. But when they gave her that device, it took it down to like a four, something like that. And so she was able to deal with it, and, and she was so happy until it quit working. I want you to hear me. We live in an age that is full of self-help, where everybody's trying to heal them Selves, or make themselves better, or if I can meditate, or I'm going to go into transcendental meditation. What's that? That's when you're in a dentist chair and he's pulling your teeth out. That's why it's called transcendental. Trying to find a way to cure ourselves and it doesn't work. And then a year ago, this month, she took it to Jesus one more time. Thank God she didn't get tired of taking it to him. Because if she'd gotten tired of taking it to him in December, she'd still be hurting now. But she took it to him one more time. Matter of fact, she just kept loving him, kept living for him, and, and tried to not think about it. And, and all of a sudden, when she wasn't thinking about it, he healed her right here right here healed her 
Well, yeah, but I, I'm not dealing with pain. I'm dealing, you don't know what it's like to have a broken heart. Becca does. Becca knows what it's like. Come here a second. Becca knows what it's like to get a phone call and find out that the son she loved isn't there any longer. He's gone. What do you do with that? You all of a sudden throw up your hands and quit and say, if God loved me, I can't believe he let this happen to me. No, she knew what it was like to live without God. She'd been down that road, and she knew that the only way she was going to navigate this pain, this heartbreak, was with God. And so she turned to God, and because she turned to God, she felt God begin to wrap himself around her, and all of a sudden, instead of feeling like, I've lost everything, she began to recognize and understand, no, I've gained everything. My son's in heaven. I'm going to see him one day. He's not robbing me. He is securing my future. Thank you. What about you? What do you need to take to him? Well, I don't want anybody to know I got a problem. We all know you got a problem. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I know you got some problems. Matter of fact, a guy looked at me one time and he said, you know, You're a problem to me. I looked at him and said, don't irritate your problem. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) We've all got problems. Question is, what are you going to do with it? You can keep it. Oh, I don't Nobody knows I got a problem. I got it all together. Everybody thinks I'm Joe Cool. No, everybody knows you got a problem. Because the scripture said, for all have sinned, we've all got problems. Do you want to live with your problem? Or do you want to take your problem to Jesus? The choice is yours. Would you stand with me today? Living isolated and alone isn't the way God wants you to spend your life. Not only was that man restored to his natural family, but he found out he had a great big family he didn't know anything about. Arms that used to push him away are now embracing him and hearing him tell about his miracle take it to Jesus for a long time Cat could only talk about the problem Becca could only talk about the problem but today they're both able to talk about the miracle (laughs) the miracle how about it are you ready to talk about your miracle? Are you ready for God to do it for you? Then you have to take it to Him. As they sing this song, I'm going to invite you today, no matter what it is, no matter what you're facing, you need to understand that you can take it to Jesus. Why would you wait any longer? I was in Russia and everything was falling apart. On a trip, I I just started and I was hamstrung because I was with a tour group and, and this guy wouldn't cooperate with me. And I remember getting in this funk. Have you ever gotten in one? You know what I mean? You kind of get in an attitude. Anybody ever? Yes. Wave your hand if you've ever had an attitude. Point your finger at someone that had that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and then I'm wrestling with this and I, I get in to the bus and I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to work this out. And I went to lean my head against the window and found out the window was a lot closer than I realized. (laughs) Literally just bam, you know, and kind of, and I kid you not, as soon as I smacked my head on that window, I heard God speak to me. And he said, quit worrying about this. 
just give it to me. So I did. I don't know what you want it for, God. I mean, I'm having problems with it. I just gave it to him. Within two hours, I had my own bus, my own interpreters, and I was no longer hamstrung on that trip. God did that. Folks, I'm in another country. I'm nobody special, but my God is. And he's got connections where you can't fathom connection to be found. So whatever you're wrestling with today, I want to invite you right now at the beginning of this new year, why don't we just take it to Jesus? So they sang this song, I'm inviting you to come right now. not my fight. The problem is, is we make it ours, right? We try and fix it. We're going to take care of it. It becomes ours. And God says, fine, you want it? I'll let you have it. It's yours. And then we find up, we screw up. We mess it up. We, we, anybody ever mess something up before? I've had a coconut cream pie that looked wonderful. Would have made, should have been on the picture of a front cover of a magazine someplace. Toasted coconut, I was proud of myself. I was in, I think, the ninth grade or 10th grade, 10th grade, making pies like that. I thought Betty Crocker couldn't have done any better until I tasted it. And I realized I'd screwed it up. I'd put more salt in than it called for. No matter what it looks like on the outside, it's what's on the inside that makes the difference. Amen. Come on, stretch those hands to heaven with me one more time. Jesus. Sing this with me one more time. Say it. I'm taking it to Jesus right not now. Not by power, I'm taking it not by mind. By the Spirit of the living, Spirit of the living God. Not by battle, not by
what he said and I want you to say it with me remember what he said the leper looked at Jesus and said I know you can make me whole if you will I know you can do it if you believe that I want you to raise your hands to heaven and say it with me right now I know you can do it I know you can I know you can do it, God. Come on. From the top of your voice, I know you can do it. There's not a doubt in my mind that you're able to do it. I know that you can do it. Now, he wrestled with what we, we wrestle with, if you will. I know you can. I'm just not sure you will. But Jesus answered that question. He already answered it. He said, I will. Somebody raise your hands and say, I believe he can and I know he will. Come here a minute, man. Would you raise your hands to heaven with me? Just say it with me. I believe he can. And I know he will. in this house I know he can and I know he will you walk out of there or out of here with that type of faith you know I know Kat knew that he could she believed that he would but she had to walk it out until they met and there were points where it was a little hard to believe he was going to, wasn't it? Because when you're hurting, it's hard to believe. When you're looking at your hand and there's still leprosy on it, it's hard to believe. When bills are coming due and you still got no money in the bank, it's hard to believe. But if it was easy, it wouldn't take God to do it. God's got a way of, at the end of the day, doing it in such a way that there's no way anybody else could get the credit. There's no way anybody else could get the credit. So we end up stepping back and going, wow, that was God. That was God. We step back, wow, that was God. I, I didn't have nothing to do with that. That was God. I think about Jan's not here, but when she found out she had cancer and they told her, you've got to take chemo, and she said, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I don't believe that God wants me to do that. And, and she said, I'm just trusting God. And that doctor looked at her and said, this is not going to go away. And she, you know how soft-spoken Jan is. She said, well, I'm just going to trust God. <laughs> she came to the church. We prayed together. Family was praying. People all over were praying. She went back to the doctor. Doctor examined her. Walked back in the room. Didn't even want to talk to her. Just looked and said, well, you don't have cancer anymore. <laughs> Would you say that again? Come on, Doc, spit that out one more time. I want it to come out of your mouth because you're the one that said it couldn't happen. I'm going to take it to Jesus. If you would have told me that I was going to wind up in Russia doing mission work, I would have looked at you and held you and said, you know, I love you, but you know, bless your heart for thinking that highly, but you know, you really missed it this time. No way in the world. I didn't have an inclination that I would do that. Not one. But I'm telling you, when God gets ready, it happens that quick. It happens that quick. So don't ever quit believing. 
Don't ever quit trusting and don't ever quit taking it to Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's give him one more hand clap of praise in this house today. Sing one more time. I've seen a breakthrough that I, I can't And say, he can, he can, and he will, and he will. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We love you.